Is this thing on? Cool. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Uncultured, the podcast. I'm your host, Kripa. Hit out a little bit of colour to your weeks. This is an emergency episode because the world will end if I don't get this one out. But um, I just feeling like really fired up about this and like feeling like I want to put my um, thoughts out there and add to the conversation while I'm feeling like this. So here I am doing it now. If you're not privy to The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, don't worry, I'm going to give you all the background, but today we're going to be talking about Abby versus Brooke. If that means nothing to you, that is totally okay because you will understand by the end of this. This is a conversation about white privilege, um, the media, um, the importance of Indigenous representation in the media, and why it can be really exhausting for people of colour, but especially for First Nations people. Um, and First Nations women to constantly have to justify why they are hurt. And beyond that, I think it's just a conversation about friendship and like what is and isn't okay in a friendship and what how to just simply respect someone in a friendship and what this issue is really about because I think there are so many voices in this at the moment and most of them are white people's voices. And of course, white people's voices are important when they're important, but right now they shouldn't be the centre of the conversation, which is why, as a woman of colour, I do want to give my two cents. It's not going to be the breadth of understanding that a First Nations woman would have on this topic, but I do think that adding a person of colour's voice into the mix and a woman of colour's voice into the mix will hopefully provide some perspective um, as to how a lot of us can feel when faced with uh, media representation. So... Let's get into it. It's a juicy one. This year has been a pretty big one for The Bachelor and Bachelorette franchise. Historically, I think we all know when we think about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, we think of people like Sam Frost, like Georgia Love, like Maddie J, wonderful people in their own right, but they are depicted as the most desirable and the epitome of desirable and the the golden standard for bachelors and bachelorettes in um, Australia. And the fact of the matter is this country was established, this nation was established on unceded Aboriginal land and the fact that so many Aboriginal people have been ignored and so many people of colour have been ignored um, in the new Australia where People have uh, migrated and we've built our own uh, lives in Australia as women of colour. When so many of us are ignored, it's, it's really easy to kind of absorb the idea that we are not desirable. We aren't the golden standard. We aren't the people that people want to date. We are not going to be the Sam Frosts. We are not going to be the Laura Burns. We aren't going to be the Angie Kents. We aren't going to be the people that turn heads and go, oh, my God. You are someone that I want to date. And dating and racism is a whole other topic, and I'm sure we'll delve into it another time. But today I really want to talk about how the media has such an influence on who we date and who we find desirable. There is a symbiotic relationship between the media and societal um, standards and what we deem beautiful or what we deem successful. So I think that is why this is an important conversation. This isn't just about a TV show. This is about like a cultural phenomenon. So this year um, has been a bit of a turning point. There was an understanding across the board that the Bachelor franchise was dying out a little bit. It's not this powerhouse that it is in America. We are in Australia where people are kind of getting tired of I mean it's not great in America either I think the 40th it took 40 bachelors to finally have a black bachelor on but um but this is really about how I think our general apathy towards the franchise whether it's I mean personally the thing that stopped me from watching the bachelor wasn't the fact that there weren't brown people on screen. It was that it was that it became quite scripted and difficult to absorb. The authenticity was not 
<clears throat> the authenticity was not there and I I think I just kind of lost interest. And what really piqued my interest this year, which I think piqued a lot of people's interest despite low ratings, was the fact that both The Bachelor and The Bachelorette this year were people of colour. We had Jimmy Nicholson, who is of um, – let me just double check, but I'm pretty sure he's of Fijian. Yeah, so he's from New Zealand and Fijian heritage. And then we had Brooke Blurton, who was our first ever First Nations bachelorette, which is obviously huge for a number of reasons. First of all, harking back to the point I said before, it is so important to depict First Nations people in the media, not only to hear their voices, to depict them as desirable, to de- depict them as part of society, to depict them as people who contribute to society. Um, like the barest minimum we can do is just acknowledge that they exist. And I think it was a really big deal to have her on as The Bachelorette. And we are going to be talking more about – we are only going to be talking about Brooke today, not Jimmy's season. I think the the second thing which made Brooke and her season that – other level of interesting and important and powerful was the fact that she is also the first ever pansexual bachelorette, which is massive. It's huge for the LGBTQI community um, and people who are from the LGBTQI community in Australia. It speaks to a lot of intersections. It speaks to a woman, a woman of colour, an Indigenous woman of colour, a queer Indigenous woman of colour, you can understand the waves this made when uh, she came out as The Bachelorette. And people were like, oh, okay, maybe the franchise isn't dead after all. Maybe we can give this one a chance. And there, there is a lot to say about how important this was. Personally, as a woman of colour, um, I was... I felt I, fe- I personally felt very seen. I was like, look, this is just a long time coming. Um, Brooke is the perfect person to have in this role. She is beautiful, intelligent, and smart, strong, everything. And I just felt like a queer woman of colour on screen is going to make so many of us feel seen, and I can't imagine how much more it would have had an impact on First Nations communities as well. Now, I remember when the announcement happened, um, and there are, there are a few kind of players in this, and I will uh, I, I will contextualize it by telling you who is who. For those of you who are not across this, I'll give you like a super brief explainer before we deep dive. Brooke Blurton was Australia's first First Nations bachelorette first pansexual bachelorette. Abby Chatfield is another player in the game. She was an ex-bachelor contestant and uh, after facing sexism and misogyny, she came out really strong after the show as a powerhouse influencer um, and really used her personality and her her likability to her advantage to become someone that a lot of people looked up to. She has 360,000 followers on Instagram. Um, and people learn a lot from her, um, including myself. Now, how do they interlink? Abby and Brooke are like besties. She actually came onto Brooke's season as one of her hometown best friends, uh, met the final few contestants on the show, um, has always had Brooke's back. In fact, she interviewed her prior to uh, Brooke actually going on the show on her own podcast, It's a Lot Pod. And I just remember her reaction to finding out that Brooke, as an Indigenous woman, was going to be the Bachelorette. And she was crying on her Instagram story. And I just think, I remember how beautiful that was, kind of the solidarity of, hey, my best friend is going to be the Bachelorette. And I know how important this is to a lot of people, not just my best friend, but to everyone. Now, The next player I'm going to introduce is Conrad. Conrad came in um, fourth or fifth place, I believe, on uh, Brooke's season. So Conrad came in as third runner-up of Brooke's season, um, which is fourth place. And Abby Chatfield actually ended up clicking with him when he left the villa. So Abby actually ended up launching her relationship with Conrad one day before the finale of Brooke's announcement of who she was in love with as a result of the show. 
Now, there are a lot of issues with this, and we will delve into it as to why it's turned into the shit show that it has and the greater implications of it, because I know it just sounds like a little bit of goss and a little bit of drama, but it's it's actually a lot more than that, and um, I think it's important that we discuss it. So, let's start with Abby and Conrad. Um, and and I do want to preface that I do want this ep- this episode to I, I want the taste that you leave uh, this episode with to be one that is about Brooke and how how strong she has been throughout the show and throughout the aftermath as well. But I think it is important that we discuss this because there is a lot of support for Abby and. I want to be clear that this isn't like me vilifying her. This isn't me cancelling her. This is me just calling her out and like showing that we need to be accountable in situations where we have hurt a community of people. So on October the 29th, Abby actually said on her podcast that her and one of her best friends, um, and I don't know if this is about Brooke, but it could be about anyone, that she was pretty much... uh, saying that you know she was fighting over Conrad and she really wanted an in-person interview with him um and her the quote exactly was it's so cliche but he's got little things on his nails like little smiles I know it's so soft boy it's cute he's cute I like him and she wants Conrad to take care of her and to be her love seat On November the 10th, which is about two weeks after this, Abby and Conrad were actually spotted in a Byron Bay bar making out. And that was, you know, a photo of that was taken. And here's the issue. At the time, this was its own problem in itself because Conrad was still on the show. The Bachelor is pre-filmed months in advance. They finished recording in like August. Conrad was still a strong contender on the show as well. He was um, still someone that people were rooting for to end up with Brooke and he actually was only eliminated a week after. Then she, and so Abby from that point kind of hinted that she was kind of dating someone and they have the same star sign, etc, etc. There were just like little Easter eggs here and there and people kind of just slowly figured it out the shameless girls actually figured it out as well they called it early that they kind of had this little inkling that they were possibly seeing each other on november the 19th which is another nine days after conrad actually uh came out on a radio show with yahoo uh lifestyle he actually said yeah like brooke and i weren't meant to be and me and Abby are seeing each other and we're just seeing how things are going. Cool. Happy for them. Here are a couple of issues, right? The entire conversation was shifted from Brooke as an Indigenous bachelorette um, and completely everything about this season was to do with Abby, a white woman. All right, this is kind of forgivable. All right, she was accidentally caught in public. Yeah, sucks and she needs to do better. But it kind of escalated. So Abby, as I mentioned, was actually a guest on the Hometown episode with Brooke and was supposed to kind of vet her three final contenders. A couple of hours before the Hometown episode, which is the second last episode of the season, Abby went live and Instagram official with Conrad. It went viral. Like everyone was like, holy shit, this is the best thing to come out of 2021. This is amazing. You guys are so cute. And don't get me wrong. They are very cute. They're a great couple. But you can understand how on the day before of the finale of an Indigenous Bachelorette, um, finding the love of her life on TV, uh, a white woman with a lot of privilege has come out with her relationship. So a lot of the conversation was then, hmm, could Abby have maybe waited a couple of days before announcing this, right? So Abby posted this the picture. It was a super cute post. Brooke liked it. And then a couple hours later, before the finale, people started to notice that Brooke unfollowed Abby. So what exactly happened here, we can only speculate, right? But thanks to Brooke actually coming out and speaking about it, we know what exactly put a strain on their friendship and what the implications are for the broader contextual society, right? One of the people who actually called this out earlier than most bravely, I might add, is um, Megan Pistetto from the So Dramatic podcast. She immediately was like, why does Abby need to be talking about this why does she need to be hard launching her relationship on the same day that Brooke finds love 
on national television. Um, is there a particular reason for the timing of this? She kind of went off her own understanding that, you know, this is probably not the right thing to do and that uh, it takes away from the Indigenous community and from the queer community. We know that being white gives you privilege in the media and so the news cycle is going to be infiltrated by Abby and Conrad as opposed to Brooke and um, David, who she ended up with. Um, spoiler, I don't know. if You shouldn't be here if you don't know who wins or <laughs> like, or if you didn't want to know. People were actually giving So Dramatic a lot of hate. They were like, dude, you have this like weird obsession with Abby. You need to step back. It, this is like, this seems misogynistic. Why does it matter who she dates? Why does it matter when she launches it? She is just living her life. She hasn't been in a relationship. She um, she hasn't been in a relationship, a healthy relationship in a long time. And it's her prerogative to talk about it if she wants to talk about it, which in isolation is very fair. Like no one needs to be policing when you need to come out with your own personal relationship. But when put in context, there's a lot more nuance that we have to consider, right? Now I'm going to read you guys um, Brooke's statement, which will give us a lot of context here as to why this is an issue. Pretty much she's just said thank you to everyone. Um, unfortunately, Brooke actually experienced the death of her sister two months prior. And so she's still kind of grieving that. And so she's kind of already experienced a lot this year. But then she goes on to talk about Abby. She goes, I hate to bring it up, but personally and mentally, I've been disrupted by all the crap that came with the finale week. I'm not a hostile person and literally do not have any hate in my heart. Everyone who watched the show or was on the show uh, will know that I put my heart and soul into it. And not only that, but for what it meant for the LGBTQIA plus and First Nations community to have that display of representation, which moves me to my next point, the hardest point. For that to be tainted once again by, one, someone I thought was a close friend, Two, another white woman displaying what white privilege looks like. And three, a very clear display of narcissism. Hurts me. Literally pains me. I've reached out to this person to resolve this conflict, which in fact, classic naive me, adult me, went to this person to communicate openly about the layers of complexity that this person's actions show and take away from not only me, but what it meant for a queer woman of color. If this wasn't me, I'd still have this stance. And she goes, now give this person more airtime, which is what this is all about, which is exactly what it's about. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're here, right, talking about Abby. Um, would we be having this conversation if it um, if it wasn't a white woman? Maybe not. And I think, <clears throat> and I think that is really indicative of what Brooke was trying to talk about in the first place. I do want to actually allude to a comment that someone made under one of. Um, one of Brooke's posts about Abby and Conrad. This was written by Kia Marie, K-E-A-M-A-R-E-E. -E. She said, The media is whitewashed. Mainstream TV was never designed for black people. It has only ever demonized us, and Abby knows this. Abby knows it was a big moment on the premiere night. She was crying because she was so happy for how big this was for the Indigenous community. She knows it was important. Abby is not dumb. She knew exactly what was going to happen if she posted that post before finale night. She knows her white privilege would have made her the centre of attention and taken away from the black community as a whole because Abby knows the media favourites um, – because Abby knows the media favors white influences over black influences. That's when white that's where the white privilege comes in. She knew it would have taken away from the black community. And I think that just perfectly summarizes why this conversation needs to be had. This conversation needs to be had because this is more than just about two women fighting over a man. Brooke has given her blessings. But like she let Conrad go. She doesn't want to be with him. They weren't exes. It's not that deep. And she's made it very clear that she wants Abby to be happy. And I think a lot of our, the conversations around this, especially by white people, I think this is not about the dude. This is not about Abby dating Brooke's ex. This is not what it's about. This is about timing and respect. And um, those are the words of Clementine Ford, who, again, is another white woman. But I think that silencing white women's white women's voices in this conversation is counterproductive. I was talking to someone about this the other day and they were like, I mean, Clementine Ford is a white woman. I'm like, yeah, she is. But also 
In the same way that we need men to step up and talk about women's rights, we need white women to step up and talk about women of color and our rights as well. Because at the end of the day, white women do have more social capital. That is just the fact of the matter. As uncomfortable as that is and as comfortable as this as uncomfortable as this entire conversation is for a lot of you and for a lot of us to acknowledge that, yeah, you are more privileged for being white in ways that you do not know. We need to understand by having that social capital, you have a level of responsibility and power. And I, as and as a South Asian, uh, Indian Australian woman, I want white women to speak up for me because your voices are louder. Your voices are more valued. Um, your voices are the ones that get up to your voices are the ones that get up to the boardroom. Your your voices are the ones that are ultimately um, respected. And until we can get to a point where all our voices are respected, we do need you guys to talk for us and with us. Um, and that doesn't mean talking over us. And that doesn't mean talking for us in a way that's like assuming what we want. It's talking for us in the way of, hey, pass the mic down to this person. I think Clem Ford does this really well, which is why I'm going to actually talk about what she said uh, with regards to this as well. Actually, yeah, before I talk about Clem Ford, I do want to talk about, I want to talk about what my thoughts were prior to this situation on Abby and Brooke, uh, because I think it provides a lot of context as to where I'm coming from. Brooke, prior to the show and prior to all of this stuff going down, I've always looked up to her. There's not a lot not to look up to with her. She is um, pretty incredible in all ways and it's really important that she has her voice and that her voice is heard for um, so many communities out there because of the intersections she represents. It's a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of weight that comes with being the Bachelorette. Um, um, but but she was never as big an influencer as Abby. Let's talk about Abby and what I thought of her. Abby has just always been, even when she was on the show, someone that I was so enamoured by and in a lot of ways still am, but I think she represented a lot of women, regardless of nationality, color, sexuality. She did a lot to normalize being a sexual being as a woman. Uh, she did a lot to normalize being uh, loud and being, quote unquote, too much, because I think that's something I particularly related to a lot because I've always kind of felt like I was, quote unquote, too much, whatever that means. And having someone like Abby have a platform saying, hey, there is literally no such thing as too much and it is okay for you to be the person that you're being. I think that was really helpful for me because I kind of felt validated. I felt like, hey, like I do not need to center and direct all my actions and behavior and words towards the uh, towards the male gaze because I think a lot of us tend to do that. Men do that as well. Like we're always trying to govern ourselves according to what society wants from us and a lot of the time what society wants from us is to be good women in the context of men and Abby did a lot for me in terms of me unlearning that I think that's why when all of this stuff was going down I was so conflicted I was like dude like I love Abby and I am finding it really difficult to really understand where I stand on this and I know everyone has their own opinions and I know that some people will disagree with me but this is just how I felt. I just think that personally, Abby really helped me. I was an avid listener of her podcast. Um, and I'm not coming out here to say, look, she's messed up this much and we all have to cancel her and never talk about her again. No. All I'm saying is, hey, as a woman of color, I kind of thought I was safe with her. I kind of thought that she could understand why the timing of her launch was disrespectful and non-sensitive to women of color in Australia. It suddenly kind of just felt like my world was shattering. I'm like, dude, this influencer that I look up to, and she truly was, and it's it's it is unfair that, you know, one person has all this responsibility on the back on their shoulders, but I guess that is kind of your job now, right? Like you're an influencer. Yeah, it's pretty earth-shattering when you realize, of course, we know influencers are fallible, but when it comes to something as important as race and as important as centering the right voices, I just think I felt really let down and really disappointed. And here's why. I think Abby has built her brand as someone who calls people out 
and puts them in place when they do things just like this, when they um, disappoint communities that um, really need to be heard, uh, when they hurt communities that really need to be elevated. Um, Abby's like the first white woman all the time to stand up and be like, what are you doing? Like really reflect you're doing the wrong thing, which is why I think I felt that sense of safety with her. And I think that this situation has really shattered that sense of safety and that sense of, hey, you know exactly what the right thing to do is in this scenario. At the end of the day, I'm not saying that we need to cancel her and I'm not saying that we need to never listen to her again. She contributes so much to the landscape of Australian influencing as an Australian woman, but this situation is just really disappointing when the conversation here should have been about Brooke and about how amazing of a woman she is and about First Nations people finding love, First Nations people being on screen and for, for First Nations people to really have control of the news cycle, which is something that they've never had. Women of colour have never had that. We've had to create our own spaces. I mean, that's why I have this podcast, right? Like, we need to create our own spaces to be heard. We need to create our own environments and tables in order to make decisions. And so when we finally have this little olive branch of, hey, Brooke actually can allow First Nations people to have some kind of control of the mainstream news cycle, it is once again shattered by a white woman. And it sucks. It sucks for Indigenous people. Um, and I can't speak on that. But as a woman of colour, I can say that it is really disappointing that Abby knows that as soon as she does anything in the media, everyone is going to be behind it. Everyone's going to be excited. Everyone's going to, like the Daily Mail, pedestrian, everyone's going to talk about it, right? So staying out of the limelight for one month, you know, when it comes to, like, and I'm not saying she doesn't have to be in the limelight, She's been doing her own stuff. She's um, hosted Love Island's after party. She's been doing brilliant things. No one's telling her to be quiet. They're just telling her to not take away from an Indigenous person in their space. And right now, the Bachelorette and Bachelor world was an Indigenous space for this inkling of a moment. And unfortunately, that was taken away. I'm going to read Clem Ford's thoughts on this because I do think what she said was really important. So Clem starts by saying how much she admires Brooke the first of two kinds of much-needed representation. And she's always behaved with dignity and grace, and that's not going to be easy as both a um, First Nations and queer woman in thrust into the spotlight. It's not easy to kind of maintain every ounce of um, patience in a white Australia. She also says something really important, which is, she was always, Brooke was always going to be held under much higher scrutiny and critique. And Brooke coming out with any kind of statement is going to be, is at the risk of facing a barrage of racism, which she did. So it was obviously important enough. She's not going to come out and play the race card just because she wants to and just because it's playing the race card, right? Here's the problem. A lot of white people are, are quite triggered by Brooke's use of white privilege and say and are saying this isn't a race problem. This isn't something that sh we should be talking about. Like, it's just about two girls who are fighting over this man. And it's like, again, I'll come back to it. This is not about Conrad. This conversation is not about two women fighting over a man. This is a conversation about race. And that's what people are failing to critically think about. And she says something which I think a lot of women of color have to resort to saying when talking to white women about race. And that is, do you know that fear you get as a woman when you speak up against men, knowing that gaslighting awaits? This is the same thing that Brooke's experiencing right now. We always have to relate it to like oppression under men in order to be understood as being oppressed under white supremacy. Clem Ford goes on to talk about doing Abby doing a hard launch of her relationship with Conrad the day before Brooke's finale episode is not a casual mistake made by someone distracted by love. At best, it's strategic. At worst, it's cheap and mean and, yes, deeply steeped in white privilege. Now, um, something that's really interesting that I, I want to bring up is Abby actually posted an Instagram story when she was facing backlash for doing this, and her Instagram story was, 
no, this is not about, like, I think someone had called her out saying this is strategic and this timing is just, it is just a PR decision so that you get more, um, you get more, uh, like attention. Um, it's also because Angie Kent had actually made a statement about this as well. Angie Kent is an ex-bachelor. Um, she was the ex-bachelor. She was the bachelorette last year. And she came out saying, dude, like, not cool. And so Abby was like pretty much like her response to it was, I think, really telling and in hindsight really didn't age well. She said, this is not a PR decision. She said, I actually launched my relationship Having never launched a relationship in the past, having been really private about my life, I launched this against PR advice. So her PR told her not to do this. So evidently she was aware that this was not going to be a good idea. Secondly, she said, I'm at the height of my career. Why would I need attention right now? And it's like, babe, why is that relevant? This isn't about your career. This isn't about you being at the height of your career, which I'm sure she is. She is doing really well. But this is about you taking, not bringing more attention to yourself, but taking attention away from Indigenous communities and women of colour. And that's where the gap exists. I think what's difficult here, people, including Brooke, are telling Abby that, hey, your actions in hard launching your relationship the day of, um, the day before the first ever pansexual, person of colour, First Nations woman is about to have the season finale on a show that is so mainstreamly watched across Australia, so mainstreamly watched by white people in Australia, that has historically um, favoured and platformed white voices, has favoured white blonde people falling in love and has rarely um, represented minority groups. And even when they have, it's been ineffective and hasn't shown any nuance. Abby's responding to that by saying, well, no, I don't need this attention. I'm at the height of my career. I didn't do this for attention. That statement in itself is just like the epitome, the height of um, of white privilege. Um, it's, it's a massive display of ignorance because how upsetting is that? Like, even as a woman who sells yourself to be an ally to minority groups. And that's kind of why I was so drawn to Abby in the first place. And and in some ways, I guess I still am. And I think that's something that that's a conflict that we're all working um, working around, right? But as, as someone who sells yourself to be an ally, as someone who's one of the good ones, quote unquote, um, you're pretty much saying, hey, this behavior that has affected these communities uh, so negatively in pretty much the first time they've had this scale of representation isn't even worth me evaluating or looking at because it means so little to me and my career. This isn't about you and your career. The fact that you said that this is not about attention, this is not about you needing that attention is just, again, frivolous because if you didn't need that attention, then it means you could have waited two days. You could have waited three days before hard launching the relationship. You didn't need it was just it was just a nice to have to launch it. You it was obviously strategic. And if it wasn't strategic, like the fact that that PR advised you against it, you knew the impact that this was going to have. If you say that you don't need the attention, then you very evidently didn't need to hard launch the relationship. It was a nice to have. And your nice to have has impacted the Indigenous community in such a massive way. And I think that's what sucks because evidently what that really means is you did need the attention or it's not about attention seeking as much as, hey, this is something that you really wanted to do and it's something that you really like that you knew was going to better your career or at least bring more attention towards you. And I think probably th there is probably some kind of net positive in this for Abby, which I think is the hardest part. I think that's, again, another reflection of white privilege. Um, and we'll get to that, like the response that uh, that Abby has uh, faced. But at the end of the day, this is this is about so much more than that. Now, I'm going to go back to Clem's, Clem's statement because I, I really do like a lot of the things that she said. Now, something that really stood out with me, stood out for me is... As a First Nations woman, Brooke confronts the reality of white supremacy every day in ways that most slash all white people will never experience. You're navigating the world in a totally different way. To me, as a woman of colour, as a South Asian woman, as a ch child of immigrants, as um, a, a, as Brooke, someone who's literally descended from decades, centuries of abuse, of violence, of racism, of absolute like genocide. 
And that's what it is. Like Clem says, this was a groundbreaking moment. A queer First Nations woman in a colonized country where white people still subject Aboriginal people to violence every day. A First Nations woman is generally the most oppressed person in the world. She's finding love on a mainstream TV show. Like this is a cultural phenomenon where um, First Nations people have historically been incarcerated at rates that are just not even fathomable by white people, by um, children of immigrants, by people of color, by anyone. The fact that she's, the fact that her ancestors, that her peers, that her sisters, her brothers, they're facing life expectancy that's different. They're facing employment that is different. They're facing uh, incarceration, which is different. And they're subject to situations and environments where they're um, more likely to become addicted. So imagine the impact that this would have had or that this has to a young Indigenous person who only ever sees themselves represented on TV or in the media as a community who is facing um, unprecedented levels of incarceration, of alcoholism, of stereotypes around what it means to be Indigenous. Imagine what it means to them to see an Indigenous woman being depicted as desirable and capable of finding love on a TV show. And still that doesn't mean enough to Abby and her career. This was, um, as Clem says, this was Brooke's moment. Instead of celebrating that, too many headlines that week as a result of Abby coming out were dedicated. (laughs) I love this. They were dedicated breathlessly to a white woman and her new boyfriend. This is one aspect of why this is white privilege, because instead of waiting a few days and allowing Brooke the moment that she had earned, a moment that was important to so many other First Nations women um, that were looking up to her as well as a role model, and that was significant because of this. Headlines and likes were grabbed instead by someone who had appeared the same week in the role of a supposed good friend. Now, I really like this because Clem ultimately says this isn't an attack on Abby. No one's trying to cancel her. Um, but the thing is, when Brooke has worked so hard to take such a prominent position of representation, she was deliberately, deliberately undermined. And Abby has done the wrong thing here and behaved poorly with more significant implications than hurting just a friend. So, look, I'm not for cancel culture and I don't think that that's the direction that we should be heading with this conversation. Abby was always someone that I had a safe um, space with. She is always someone that I looked up to and she created this environment for a lot of women of colour, queer women of colour, as a queer woman herself. She created a space for a lot of us to have conversations that were not being had in the mainstream. But just because I'm not going to cancel her doesn't mean I am going to consume her content in the same way that I did before. I find it really difficult to consume her content now. I'll find it really difficult to do so um, in the future. She um, And I think the reason for that is because, is because I feel let down. I feel like um, when push comes to shove, you can talk, but this is like the perfect opportunity for you to act and the wrong action was taken. And as a result, that tells women of colour a lot more about who you are than the words you say. And that's not to d- diminish the words that Abby has said. She has said and done a lot for a lot of communities. But at the end of the day, that doesn't that really doesn't mean a lot to me when You've done more to hurt a significantly large community and significantly disadvantaged community in Australia. And I always said during when all of this was um, happening, I will make the decision on Abby based on her response, how she responds to this. And I think that's going to say everything, right? And I was expecting so much, you guys. Like I was expecting so much more um, compassion, And I'm going to actually read to you what her response was. Yeah, so this was Abby's apology. Hi, everyone. This is to address the post made by Brooke. A month ago, a video of Conrad and I kissing was secretly captured uh, by a patron and made public. Following this, Brooke and I had a conversation in which I apologized and expressed regret multiple times for our public affection, as this was prior to Conrad's exit from the show. Conrad had a similar conversation with Brooke. 
We met as a, as a result of him coming along to a catch-up with a mutual friend. The public setting was an accident. We absolutely should have waited to be in private as we were public figures and these are things that we need to consider, but we didn't. We also didn't consider the possible ramifications of our actions. Immediately following this, we intentionally kept things quiet and did not leave the house together in an effort to be photographed out of respect for the show and to minimise press around the spoiler of Conrad's exit. When I uploaded a post confirming the numerous rumours, it was not with malice. The morning of, I mistook a message from Brooke expressing a happiness for and approval of our relationship as a green light to upload the post. Following the post, Conrad received an equally supportive message. I see with hindsight that this assumption was naive. I now understand the timing of publicly sharing our relationship should have been more considered and that is my fault. I acknowledge that impact outweighs intent. I didn't take into account the Australian media landscape and the inherent privilege that I hold as a white woman. My actions had the potential to undermine the importance that this pivotal season of The Bachelorette holds to the First Nations and LGBTQIA plus communities. This is an extremely important conversation to be having. In future, this will be at the forefront of my mind and I will continue to listen and amplify um, minority communities and endeavour to learn. I'm sorry. Now, what's funny is that so many people came out saying, oh my God, this is a brilliant apology. And on surface level, if you just heard that, maybe. But there is so much to like understand about why this is just this apology misses the mark first of all this is an apology to Brooke it really didn't sound like one it sounded like an explanation rather than an apology it didn't sound like she was talking to Brooke it didn't sound like she was talking to First Nations women it didn't sound like she was talking to women of color I didn't listen to it thinking she was speaking to me I was listening to it like she was speaking to her audience and um, rectifying her reputation so Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is a lot of the language, if you really think about it, actually attempts to shift the blame. So things like, I um, had a conversation with Brooke in which I apologised and expressed regret and multiple times I expressed regret. And the public setting was an accident. Girl, what? How how is a public setting an accident? Like, do you just fall into a public setting? Like, you're obviously in a public setting. Just say you're in a public setting. It was a bad choice for you to be out. That's it, right? Secondly, um, she said, she says, you know, we intentionally kept things quiet. Like, look how far we went to do all these great things. We kept things quiet. We were really, really like, woe is me. Um, We did not leave the house together. Life was really hard. And we did all the work to make sure that it could, it would minimize um, um, a spoiler. And then I think the thing that really strikes a nerve for me is I mistook a message from Brooke expressing her happiness for and approval for our relationship as a green light. No, like happiness for an approval of your relationship is not a green light and it doesn't matter if you mistook it. You mistaking it is an issue and I understand that she understands that but it sounds like she's justifying it. And so what should the apology be then, right? And I think that's the next question. What should that apology have sounded like? Honestly, I'm not a PR person. It would have sounded really different if I had written it though. I think it. there's a lot of aspects of this and it could have been shorter it could have been there's no explanation needed it's really just got to be look I know you guys have seen all of this in the media today and Brooke posted something this morning I am really shocked by this I am realizing that me being shocked is a result of my white privilege and not understanding the impact that this would have on First Nations communities I'm really sorry, first of all, to First Nations communities I'm sorry to Brooke especially as someone who is my friend and someone who I've taken attention away from, I should have been more considerate and I wasn't. And as a result, these are the things I'm going to do to actively be a better ally. I ask for your forgiveness. And if you can't give me forgiveness, that's okay. But please stay on the journey while I try and make this up to my audience. Like there are just so many more words. There are just so many more words I wanted to hear from her that I didn't. And I just think just that simple statement, I don't need to hear when you were out. I don't need to hear that you were accidentally in public. I don't need to hear all that shit. I just need to hear, you know what, I really fucked up. And I fucked up because I have the privilege of not of not needing to think about these things. And I didn't think about it. And this goes against everything I stand for. And I'm going to do everything in my capacity to make sure that I that I rectify this for Indigenous communities and queer communities. I understand that I'm a queer person as well, but I'm, um, but I'm, I have the privilege of being in a heterosexual relationship. That I had the privilege of being on a heterosexual version of the show. 
there are just so many things that play into this. And I think if that was the apology, I would have been like, you know what, Abby? Mistakes happen. Shit happens. I'm happy to kind of see where your journey goes. That wasn't the apology. It was a really deflective, um, shifting blame, um, really defensive apology, in my opinion. It was a very PR apology, which no one wants to hear when people are hurt. People don't want to hear, in future, this will be at the forefront of my mind. Or, this is an extremely important conversation. Yeah, bitch, it is an extremely important conversation to be having, which is why we're having it, right? Like, we know. (laughs) Like, we know it's an important conversation to be having. Um, and it just feels like condescending for you to be telling us that, like, we know. And yeah, I think that's where the disappointment for me is. Now, another point that a lot of people have is that the show wasn't popular. The ratings were really low this year and they were, they were abysmally low this year, but that's not relevant. That's got nothing to do with this conversation. This is the first ever First Nations Bachelorette. In my opinion, the show has low ratings because of its history of dying out and losing people's attention. It's not because Brooke is the bachelorette. It's not because there's an indigenous bachelorette. Maybe it's because of homophobic audiences. Sure. That's just something that we're trying to eradicate. And even if there is that low traction towards this um, towards this season, uh, isn't that more of a reason for you to not take attention away from this minimal attention season? Let that small amount of attention stay with a First Nations woman, right? We know that the media privileges white people over black voices. That is why this is not just about a TV show. This is about society and the way we respond to the media. This is about who we want to watch and who we want to listen to. And unfortunately, that is white people. So when we are given that opportunity to actually listen to a black woman, let's just shut up and listen. As a person of colour myself, I have felt quite apathetic towards towards dating shows in the sense of I actually sometimes feel a bit of anxiety when I watch brown women on TV because I feel like I know what's coming. I feel like I know that woman's going to get kicked off. I feel like there's going to be some kind of like music playing in the background, maybe like Chinese music at the back of like um, like a, a Vietnamese woman or it'll be like some um, Indian woman doing a Bollywood dance. And it's like that's when we're being reduced to that and not being seen as nuanced human beings, I think I would rather just be invisible. I would rather you not include me. I'm asking for representation. But if the representation you're giving me is what you've, you know, historically given me, I don't want it. When we finally see a woman of colour at the reins, she has control of the entire season. She's She gets to choose who wins. She gets to choose to be with a girl if she wants to. Like, that's just mind-blowing that that's even a reality in our society. Yet, yeah, like Clem said, every article this week has been... Abby vs. Brooke. This episode is a result of a white woman. This episode is Abby vs. Brooke. This episode isn't, I'm so glad that an Indigenous person was bachelorette. It would have been, but it isn't, right? Because now, again, people of colour are defending, are hurt. And it's just like, how long do we keep doing this? And I think the thing that just sits the worst with me is how much support Abby is getting. I'm not saying that she shouldn't be supported. I'm not saying that she shouldn't be, people shouldn't feel empathetic or sympathetic towards her. I'm saying people shouldn't accept this apology and people have accepted this apology. Question number one, why are white people accepting this apology and moving on? Why are white people accepting an apology that Abby is making towards Indigenous people and women of colour. That's not white people's apology to accept. And the fact that people are like, oh, I think it's just been escalated beyond control right now. It's like, that's not for you to say. And I'm going to actually read some of um, the comments that uh, were under her apology, which a lot of the conversation is this, right? And this is in various Facebook Facebook groups in uh, under Abby's um, comments. Like, we, the viewers, 
Most of us never looked at Brooke as a black bi woman. We saw slash see her as a person. No, see her as a black bi woman. She's a black bi woman. That's important. Like you cannot separate her race and her sexuality from her humanness. That's what makes her who she is. And the fact that you are purposely erasing that is harmful because of the impact that you're completely missing that it can have on First Nations communities. You know, race is such a strong thing to just throw around so easily and Brooke has embarrassed herself. I think Brooke is jealous. Um, I don't know about all this pox stuff. Um, Is Abby trying to be racist? Probably not. I see everyone as a person no matter their nationality. I know it matters to her, but it doesn't matter to the rest of us. It's like, dude, of course it doesn't matter to the rest of you. When has race ever mattered to you as a white woman? It's never mattered to you. That's, that's, that's the point of this. You have to see nationality here. You have to see the impact and the massive weight this has on Indigenous communities and women of colour. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's tiring. It's annoying. I, I know that I've had these conversations with so many fellow women of colour and I think we all share the sentiment that it's just kind of like we've given up. Like, who do we trust anymore? If, like, the one person that we could trust and thought was on our side has apologised in such a subpar way, who do we put our faith in anymore? This is not about the race card being thrown around. This is about timing. This is about, hey, this is a really big, important moment for a really big subsection, an important subsection of Australian society. Can we just keep it that way? Just for a day. We're not asking you to wait a month. No one asked her to wait for a month, just a day. At the end of this, I just want to say, like, this isn't an attack again. This isn't me saying Abby sucks and all of you need to go unfollow her right now. This is just me saying, dude, this is disappointing and we need to really understand why this is a conversation about white privilege and not about, oh, these two little girls fighting over this guy. Dude, we're not children anymore. We're not sitting here trying to, patronize to women who are having very adult feelings this is not about conrad nobody cares brooke has given her blessings that's not the point it's about timing and representation in the media we want to see more of our faces in the media and when we finally do especially a first nations woman when she sees herself in the media we just want everything to be about her for one day anyway that's my rant and i'm done and if you have any thoughts on this, I would love for you guys to message me, DM me on Instagram, um, and let's have a conversation because, yeah, I know this is not like um, my usual episodes, but I did feel like it was an important one to have. There aren't a lot of people of color talking about it, like, or maybe they are, and maybe they're just not being privileged by, <laughs> by um, they're not being favored by white media. And I think that's just exactly the conversation we should be having, right? It's not about Abby, it's about representation and respect. And I just think... Yeah, just missed the mark. Thank you. You can you can follow us at Uncultured Pod on Instagram and I'll see you next week with an interview episode. Bye.